Hi, I'm Darcy Bembick, and you're listening to Outside a Thread. This week I had the pleasure of speaking with Brittany Long, a Melbourne-based live music photographer who shot some of the biggest artists both in Australia and across the globe. As a wheelchair user working in the live music space, Britt uses photography not only to showcase artists, but also as a medium to advocate for greater accessibility and inclusion in live music. Our chat was inspiring, educative and insightful, and I hope you enjoy listening. Outside a Thread is recorded on the unceded territory of the Wurundjeri people of the Eastern Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of the land which I broadcast from. I recognise their ongoing legacy and connection to land, waters and culture, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. I extend this respect to all other First Nations people of this continent, whose stolen land our infrastructure and digital connectivity is built upon. How are you going today, Britt? Oh, I'm so good. I'm so stoked that we're finally here. I know. Yeah, I'm very, very happy to have you on the show finally after all this time. So I guess this was like a couple of months ago that we did this initial show plan. So yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. Yeah. So um, long time in the making. Yeah. Well, you know, good things take time. They do. Um, but yeah, so I guess you just arrived here today back from the NGV. What were you shooting there? Yeah. So I was lucky enough to go over to the NGV to photograph a performance called If Our Bodies Could Talk by Eliza Hull and Roya the Destroyer, who are two um, disabled um, performers. Eliza's a musician who I've worked with previously um, and Roya is just like a huge talent. Um, but yeah, so they were performing as part of um, the... Altered State? Is it? Yeah. Um, no, it actually wasn't Altered State. Um, it was part of the... I actually... <laughs> um, it was part of... Let's just say it was part of it was part of Fringe. Oh, okay, it was part, part of, of Fringe. Fringe. Yeah. yeah, gotcha. Yeah, and you can cut all that. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no cuts. Um, no, nah, that's cool. Well, I guess I'll start by getting you to tell me a bit about yourself. Obviously, you're a live music photographer now. I know you yeah, pretty recently graduated, but how did you? What's your pathway that like brought you into what you're doing now? I did. So, um, honestly, like I was never someone who was into music. I was always that person who everyone sort of was like, "Oh, you know, do you live under a rock? What do you mean you don't know who that <laughs> band is?" Um, and yeah, I mean, photography wise, I've loved photography since I was a kid, you know, I've always had a camera in my hands for as, for as long as I can remember really. Um, and yeah, in 2013, I think it was, I saved up all my money from like waitressing and jobs here and there. And I bought myself, um, a DSLR, a Canon 600D. And that was my baby for, you know, however many years. And I only just recently retired that and upgraded, which was super exciting. Um, But yeah, so in terms of live music, like I, I honestly, yeah, I wasn't, wasn't into music photography. I was definitely into, Um, but yeah, live music. I basically went to a pink show and it was her final show of the beautiful trauma tour at Rod Laver Arena in August of 2018. And because I heard and, you know, had been told, what an incredible performer Pink was. I was like, oh, I'd love to, you know, take some photos. 
And so I snuck in a small little camera that looked non-professional and basically I shot from the crowd and fell in love and the rest is history, so they say. Nice, nice, cool. And so since since then you started taking more live music photos, how did you actually get into being a paid photographer? Yeah, so I now um, work like directly with some Melbourne artists and, you know, interstate artists here and there as well. Um, in terms of, yeah, becoming a live music photographer, I actually went down the like the live music publication route. So I started shooting for Amplify and Girl at a Rock Show um, and that's sort of how I'd get accreditation. So you'd get accreditation to be able to take photos at the show in return for putting up a gallery kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So you were initially doing it like kind of that work for free and I guess that segued you into doing more professional stuff. Like, yeah, basically. Yeah. I mean, I do still um, still use the publication route here and there for like the bigger festivals and that kind of thing, which are a bit harder to get into. Um, but yeah, I love I love the relationships that I get to build one-on-one working directly with artists. Like it's something that it's, it's a real privilege to be invited into such a vulnerable space and to be given the opportunity to, you know, to document the journey. And, you know, I've got one particular artist, um, Matilda Pearl, who I actually have known since 2014 now. Um, you know, we knew each other before the whole music thing, basically. And before I was a music photographer, um, and yeah, we, you know, made a connection back then. And after COVID, she, she hit me up and she was like, you know, I'd love to work together. And I was like, you know, this, this would be amazing. And we've been working together ever since. And, you know, I've seen her, I've since seen her play, you know, her first festival slot and then her first main stage festival slot. And, you know, just being part of that journey and getting the privilege to document it is, you know, it's so humbling and it's something I don't take for granted. Cool. Yeah, it's a really beautiful thing, I guess. I feel like you're there for the whole of the journey rather than just the singular taking the photos, which is nice. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, shooting the shooting the big artists like Alice Cooper and Kiss for, you know, the standard three songs or in Kiss's case, the two songs that we were, you know, allowed, um, you know, it's just, it's like there's the adrenaline rush and all that of it being such a big show. But, you know, I've got a special place in my heart for those more intimate um, intimate shows and, you know, with artists that I adore and yeah, who, who invite me to be part of that journey. Yeah. And I guess looking operationally, what's it, what is it like when, cause I always hear photographers talking like being, getting, I get two songs or I yeah. get three songs operationally. What is it like being a live music photographer and like being in the pit and how does it all work? Okay. So, um, in terms of like the bigger shows and on, so the standard is first three, no flash. So that's basically the first three songs. And then sometimes you're kicked out or other times, you know, they let you stay and watch the show. But so you only get to photograph that first, those first three songs, unless you're working directly for an artist or a label or, you know, another sort of, um, you know, access requirement thing. Um, But yeah, so it's, it's three songs. So you've basically got three songs to get everything. Um, And usually we often, you know, get a bit, I won't say like screwed with the lighting sometimes and then the lights will get like brilliant at like song four or five and you're sitting there going, oh, I just wish I could be shooting right now. Like um, it's, yeah, it's honestly tough, but, you know, giving that three songs, like you, you know, you've got to do your best work in that three songs. Um, And yeah, it's, it's honestly just the standard. It's been the standard now for, I couldn't even tell you how many years. 
Um, but yeah, it's just, yeah, first, first three, no flash. And yeah. that's, you know, that's what you go into knowing. Um, and in terms of being like in the photo pit, not all venues do have a photo pit. So when they don't, you know, you're shooting from the crowd or, you know, using those elbows to brave the crowd. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, being in the, being in the photo pit, like honestly being in the photo pit with a camera in my hand, shooting live music is my true happy place. Yeah. And so being a live music photographer who does use a wheelchair as well, what kind of extra challenges does that present to you? Well, yeah, there's, there's been quite a few things and, you know, more things keep arising as I keep, you know, working in the industry. Um, you know, photo pits often really super tight and a wheelchair won't even fit in them. So I have to get out of the wheelchair and, you know, I've shot from the floor. I've, you know, I used to, before I was at the point where I could like stand and lift my legs with my arms. I was at the point where I could, um, like I'd sit, I, I mean, I still do, but I'd sit on like the little platform of the barrier and I'd like throw one leg that way and then throw the, and like and monkey it. across, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I've been, I've been carried up and down stairs by bands because let's be honest here, like so many, so many music venues have stairs. Yeah. And it's not just like everyone thinks about, they're like, oh, you know, but the venue's flat to get into. And I'm like, well, it might be flat to get into like for a punter, but then you've got things like backstage and side stage and let's, it's usually all stairs. Like I've just accepted that, you know, I'll have to like waddle around a bit. And the artists that hire me know that I'll be waddling around their stage or like wheeling around their stage, um, you know, to get my shots because I'm I'm known for doing whatever it takes to get my shots. Um, but yeah, in terms of accessibility, it's it's definitely something that needs to, um, that more thought needs to go into it. It's more than just ticking a box and accessibility and also inclusivity. Um, so many, especially like the bigger arenas, you know, the, the wheelchair sections always at the back and it's sort of like, it's sort of like an afterthought and festival wise, you know, it's things like viewing platforms that you actually can't see from, um, or, you know, accessible areas that are completely flat and then people stand in front of you and you can't see anything. So they're obsolete and you sit there and you go, well, why bother having it in the first place? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was really interesting meeting you, I guess, because you're actually probably the first person I've ever had a significant chat with who uses a wheelchair to get around. And yeah. after meeting you when I was working in the music room as the host there, and it was just like, not as like, not a safe space. Like it was accessible per se with quotation marks, but it was I just like. I still remember. And there were so many people. And I remember you coming to me and you're like, if you, you know, if you feel unsafe at all and, um, and that's the thing, like people think, oh, you know, it's flat to get into it that, and you know, that's the end of accessibility, but it's not like accessibility goes beyond whether there's a ramp to get into a venue. Yeah. And I think it's like, once I, once I thought about it there, it was like, I almost couldn't take those goggles off. And now every time you realize like the clubs in Melbourne are just completely inaccessible. Yeah. Full stop. Like yeah. miscellanea, sub club, TOF, anything like that. It's just like, it's actually the standard is so not there. It's yeah. pretty disappointing when you think about it. It yeah. is. And you know, I'm not the, I'm definitely not the only person in a wheelchair, but it's also people who, you know, might be able to handle stairs or, you know, might have problems walking that aren't necessarily in a chair and where those things aren't as visible and, you know, accessibility, yeah, goes beyond just uh, just whether there's a ramp. Yeah, and making it not not only accessible but also easy. And yeah, like and inclusive. Like, yeah. you know, so many venues where wheelchair users are like put at the back of the venue, like take the Palais, for example, and, 
you know, you just, you're at the back of the venue. Like, mm. you know, you want to be, I, I know I personally, and I, I'm sure, you know, I don't speak for everyone here, but it goes, it goes beyond accessibility into the side of inclusivity. Like it needs to not, it needs to stop being an afterthought yeah. and a, let's tick the box. Yes, we've got this and we're, you know, we're ticking the, yes, we're accessible, you know, box and it should, you know, people should start thinking about, hey, is this actually inclusive? Yeah, exactly. And that's like what you were saying previously, I guess, in the sense of like, you don't want to just be there. You want to be able to be in the pit. You yeah. want to be able to be having the full range of experience, exactly. which is what you deserve, just yeah. like any other punter is able to. Exactly. And I yeah. think at the end of the day, that should be the decision of the person that's, you know, got the disability or, you know, the access requirement. It should be their decision. Like it should be their decision to have and the things that they need to make that decision should be there. Yeah. Like if you don't want to be in the mosh and you're in a wheelchair, you don't have to be. But if you do want to be there, no option. then yeah. you should have the option and you should be able to. Yeah, definitely. And so for, for you, what like what is an example of what an, a venue that is doing accessibility well would be like? Ooh. <laughs> Just like, I guess in the sense of like what you would hope to be there, what infrastructure is missing that you would like to see. Yeah, I mean, look, the corner is probably one of the best ones mm. um, in terms of that they have, you know, like it's flat to get in. Um, they've got like only two tiny little steps sort of side stage um, and, you know, like the backstage area is all accessible, like the green room and all that sort of stuff. Because, you know, if I'm working with the band and stuff, I want to be able to hang out with them and document, you know, the mm. green room antics and and just to be able to be part of that. Um, but yeah, I would probably say the corner, although when I originally started shooting the corner, their, um, their barrier width was honestly one of the worst that I'd seen. Yeah. Um, just in terms of the fact that you couldn't get a wheelchair in there. Um, although the, I haven't been there more recently, but the last two times that I was there, they, um, like the barrier width was better. Um, but you, but then th- that's the thing as well. But then you had the width and I was like, okay, I can get a wheelchair in here. But then the other photographers can't get in and they can't move around. Yeah, yeah. And so then it also becomes a safety thing. Um, in terms of venues doing it well, yeah, they, I mean, I love the forum. Like they're my favorite venue ever. Mm. Um, and they're, you know, they've got a, they've got a lift down into the green room, which is great. But then it's a giant flight of stairs to get on stage. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, so that's just, you know, like there's there's good things here and there across lots of venues. And there's also bad things here and there across many venues. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the venues that are like full on just stairs, you know, that I've, I've either had to be carried up or, you know, shuffled up on my bum or, mm. you know, had someone to carry, had to carry the chair. Like it's a, yeah, it's a very real problem. And I guess that's what I'm trying to raise awareness of and start the conversation surrounding with my staring through the lens project. Yeah. Could you tell me a bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So this, um, project's very close to my heart. So I started with a portrait of Mulrat in 2019 and originally I was there was no concept or sort of realization I guess behind the power of what I was doing um I was originally yeah just I just photographed a portrait of her on the stairs at the corner and I was like hey you know this is really cool basically um and it wasn't and I was like oh maybe I can do a series called the corner steps Mm. um and originally there was no sort of significance or realized significance for me anyway um 
in terms of that. But yeah, so basically the project um, was born into photographing what now stands at 188 musicians across venues um, in Australia. Um, And basically it involves taking portraits of musicians on stairs to initiate the conversation surrounding accessibility and inclusivity at music venues and festivals across Australia. So for me as a wheelchair user, stairs are, you know, they're like a barrier, they're an Mm. obstacle. Um, And so it's, it's about taking back the power and also showcasing artists in a different light and from that alternate perspective of a wheelchair. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited to see what the combination of the project is going to look like. I think you were saying that you're planning doing a book? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that's the dream for the project is to do a, a big coffee table book. Um, it's going to be a really thick book at this stage. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I just think it's really important for me, like I've, if I can use my own um, my own battles with adversity and just my own experiences and perspective to you know make even a slight difference, a positive difference in the industry, then you know it'll all be worth it. Yeah, and I think you're also definitely paving the way for other people in the sense of because you know I guess previously you know I had thought oh you know, I don't really see people who have visible disabilities out of places and I'm like maybe that's because the space is not accessible and it's not like you want it to be inviting and inclusive and celebrating and just and it's also like it's not only for them to be at the venues it's like people with disabilities should be able to be photographers and you know Absolutely. why why should there not be the why possibility can't they? exactly and they should why be prepared for people with on a wheelchair to be on the stage on the forum when yeah. they're performing yeah. you know it's like the full range of experience that we need to be yeah like elevating people and making it accessible and yeah inclusive as well yeah a hundred percent like you've got you know you've got venues like the Northcote Social Club where you know take you know the example again where it's flat to get in you can be a punter um but then you know the stairs up to the green room and all that is just a big staircase like Mm. you know and not just as a as a photographer in a wheelchair but there's also musicians out there you know I'll give you the the best example I can sort of think of um, one of our only like all ages venues in Melbourne is Wrangler Studios mm. and that's all upstairs and yeah. you know the venue turns around and they're like oh you know we're happy to assist but that's not the point yeah like you don't want to be in a wheelchair or have access requirements and have to you know be physically carried or you know have someone carry your chair like it's it's also that element of independence like hey i want to go to this show and knowing that you you can go to the show definitely yeah and yeah it's you deserve to have that agency that's the kind of thing that is like yeah so key i feel like that's what's missing from the thought process absolutely and you know festivals are the the biggest one that i've seen in terms of like a a failure in terms of actually logistically being like can the person that's using this viewing platform actually see from this platform Mm, yeah or are we just you know ticking the box and then the whole platform being there is obsolete yeah because it's just like well if you're not going to actually put the thought into it then what's the point of having it yeah and as as someone who's always you know you're always at live music events you're always shooting particularly now like you're (laughs) calendar is so booked i was curious about i guess like what are some preconceptions and assumptions that you've had to deal with in your work in like showing up and you know maybe not getting treated the same as other photographers and that kind of thing yeah i mean i had one such instance which will always um always stick with me at festival hall and it was um the owner of festival hall who basically turned around to me and flat out called me a security risk Mm. and a safety hazard um and you know i had the same accreditation as everyone else and 
you know, I'd, I'd actually been at the venue shooting stair portraits for, you know, an hour before this um, certain person came and approached me. And he was like, oh, just letting you know, you know, you won't be shooting in the pit tonight. And I was like, sorry, what? And he, yeah, he blatantly flat out was like, yeah, you know, you're a safety risk. Now, the thing with this is Festival Hall has a, has a really wide photography pit. Mm. Like it's, and it was an all day show. It's not, it's not like a mosh, you know, it's not like, you know, someone like Airborne where like people are going to be flying over the barrier. Yeah. Like we're talking all day. Yeah, I see. But even if it was that, um, yeah, he just, he flat out. And I was, I was honestly in complete disbelief. Like I remember I was with one of my best friends and I remember saying to her, like, what am I supposed to do? Mm. And I, I, I just result, I was like, well, you know what? I've got the accreditation. I, and that's the other thing. Like I was, I was hired by a publication to shoot that to show. And, shoot it. Yeah, exactly. and, you know, like I was there to do a job. I was no different to any other photographer that was there except for the fact that I was in a wheelchair. And I, you know, I ended up just, you know, going in and shooting the show and, but I was really, I was almost like, well, I have to, I'm going to boycott the venue because I was like, Mm. you know, I don't, I don't want to shoot there anymore. But then I was like, that's not fair to the artists that play there who I want to shoot. And, you know, like it shouldn't, it shouldn't have to be, that I have to boycott a venue because of, you know, behavior from the owner. And it honestly, it was, it was flat out discrimination. Um, and yeah, he, he'd pointed me to an area and he was like, oh, you can come and shoot from over here. And I don't know if you've ever been to Festival Hall, but the area where the paramedics are, where you can't actually see the stage from was uh, where he allocated yeah, to me. Yeah. And I was like, you, you got to be kidding me. Right. And he was like, oh no. And I was like, no. Yeah. No, yeah. but yeah, that was, and you know, I ended up calling it out on social media um, because you know a mentor of mine said to me, she goes, Brit, she goes, you can't, you can't just let this go. Like you have to, you have to do something about it. And because you know, as a photographer, going to social media and saying, hey, you know, I was discriminated against at this particular venue. Yeah, you run the risk of not yeah. being able to shoot the venue anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, ultimately, it, it was. Um, it was the the right decision and I was very supported in that decision. Um, but yeah, that, that's honestly the the one that comes to mind in terms of that. But the other thing as well is like I'm a I'm a wheelchair user, but I can also stand. Yeah. And, you know, I lift my legs with my arms to like waddle essentially. Um, but the the looks from people and just the the misconception and the preconception, I guess, that everyone in a wheelchair can't walk and basically isn't allowed to like be able to stand up Mm. because the looks you get when you stand up from a wheelchair. I even, I've got a particularly funny story in in that sense. Um, I was at Wine Machine last year and one of the bands that I just, just met, they, you know, because I just met them, they, they didn't know that I could stand from the wheelchair Mm. or anything. And the festival organizer came up the hill and I hadn't seen him for a while and I was really excited to see him. And so I stood up from the wheelchair to give him a hug. Now, everyone that's crew and everything knows me, you know, I've worked with them before, but this one particular artist didn't. And he, as he was coming up the hill, he shouted out, it's an effing miracle. (laughs) And everyone just burst into laughter. And it just made me think, you know, like the act of someone standing from a wheelchair Mm. is, you know, it's considered a miracle. 
And, you know, we laugh about it and we still laugh about it. Um, I was, you know, have, reciting the story with the crew recently, but it's just that whole, you know, if someone's in a wheelchair, then they're in the wheelchair. Like, yeah. you know, they, they, oh, they can't stand, they can't do anything. Like, I guess, um, yeah, I guess, yeah, there's that misconception. And it's also in terms of like people, people seeing me in the chair and then just automatically assuming that I can't do particular things. Whereas I'm like, well, yeah, I have to be here and I have to be there and I have to be like, okay, I have to get up those stairs. Yep. Mm. That's fine. Like, you know, I know, I know this, this is part of my job. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think overall it's interesting. Those experience, obviously that experience is quite disparate from the one that you were talking about previously at Festival Hall. But I think what it overall highlights is a low level of literacy around people and understanding and empathy around people who are wheelchair users. Um, and yeah, I think it's it's quite interesting. I think there's this kind of conditioning to imagine that people with wheelchairs need help or something like yeah. that. Because when I met you for the first time, I actually consciously was like, wait, I kind of pulled myself up because I was like, I don't need to baby her. Like, no. and, it's, and that was, you know. And-, and you get so many people, like when I first ended up in the wheelchair in 2016 um, and so many people like just talk down to you or they'll like come and like get on your level yeah. and they, they think that that's like you know, they're like, oh, you know, I have to be like on your level kind of thing. And in certain instances, it's okay. Like, you know, if you're in a noisy club and you've got a mate, you yeah. know, bending down next to you to speak to you, that's fine. Um, Cause yeah, it just, it depends on the individual person and yeah. also, you know, the circumstances surrounding it, but it's definitely, it's been very eye opening. It's, it's a whole new perspective on the world. Cause I, you know, I haven't always been in a wheelchair um, and pre 2016, like, I would have had no idea about, you know, the steps going into a cafe or a restaurant or literally anywhere because it wouldn't have been, you know, a second thought. And, you know, it basically became the whole, it was a whole new perspective, basically. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I think it's pretty incredible and very admirable as well that like, obviously it would be a huge shock, you know, going into the chair after a whole life of being fully able and yeah. I'm very happy for you in the sense of like, it's just so, you know, I guess initially when I met you, like visually, it's the first thing I noticed, but now Mm. knowing you, it's so (laughs) far from the, it's like the least defining characteristic I know about you because like what you're known for is like your talent in shooting and your humor and those kinds of things. And I guess that's the thing as well. Like, you know, I was talking about this um, with a friend recently and it's that whole, you know, you sit there and you think, you know, I don't want to be getting these opportunities because I'm a photographer in a wheelchair. Mm. Like I want my work to speak for itself. But at the same time, I do want people to know that I'm a photographer in a wheelchair. Mm. And it's sort of like trying to find that balance between, you know, wanting my work to speak for itself and being like, hey, you know, I am in a wheelchair. So, you know, I might need some, I might actually need some extra assistance here or, you know, it might take me a bit longer here or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very thankful to have met you personally because I feel like for me, it's definitely changed my whole perspective. And like, yeah, the lack of, it's just so not a feature of our culture in like the sense of upbringing. Like we learn so much about racism and sexuality yeah. and all these kinds of things, but there's literally no education on disability. Like it's just completely treated as almost like a foreign concept. Yeah, which is, and you know, that's the thing. Like there's so much of the population who, you know, do identify as having some kind of disability, whether that be physical or intellectual or, you know, any kind of disability. I 
just beyond um, talking about infrastructural infrastructural accessibility, um, which changes would you like to see in the music and entertainment industry to increase inclusion and access? I mean, in terms of, you know, like I've, I've shot a couple of shows recently where they've had Auslan interpreters. Mm. And even, you know, even today with today's show, there was an Auslan interpreter and there was um, also like headsets offered for people who were blind and needed like audiovisual descriptions. Uh. Um, and even just having people like today, there was a, you know, there was a, like a panel after the show and, you know, um, it was hosted by Carly Finlay and, you know, she, the first thing she did, you know, she acknowledged the land and uh, the acknowledgement of country and all that. And then she gave an audio description of what she was wearing mm. and, you know, things like that for, for someone who's, you know, blind or, you know, has any sort of loss of vision like just something so small as being told like hey I'm wearing a you know a purple jumpsuit or and you know my shoes are this color and I've got this kind of hair you you don't realize what a what a difference you know small changes like that can make but yeah I I would love to see Auslan interpreters at like every show yeah and also going going beyond that I think in terms of moving away from accessibility being tokenistic and that whole, you know, ticking a box and even having, you know, dis- disabled artists or artists like who identifies having a disability on like festival lineups and then just having them as the first performance of the day. Like, yep, we'll just tick that box. We've got them there. Mm, yeah. And they perform to no one. Like I've seen it on multiple occasions now. And it's honestly, it's so disheartening and it's just so tokenistic. And I think, you know, moving away from that kind of thing beyond, you know, just ha- having ramps and access and having actual viewing platforms that people can actually see from. Yeah. Um, you know, it's every every sort of change that gets made and even, even starting the conversation, like moving away from that, oh, well, it doesn't affect me, so I don't care about it, um, which I think is a, you know, is a, it's definitely a thing in society where if it doesn't affect you, then, you know, why why should i care like yeah well if it doesn't affect you or someone you care about as yeah. well i think people are so free to feel so free to just like dismiss it because exactly they because they don't yeah. they don't need to worry about it so to speak yeah and so i guess with today's discussion in mind overall i was well i feel like every we've gone through quite a few things but what do you th- do you think there's anything that listeners can do to challenge assumptions about people who use wheelchairs i guess just to you know have a conversation with them mm. and you know like we're not as you know, I'm not speaking for everyone, but I'm speaking for myself. Like we're not, we're not invalid. Um, but you know, there are times where, you know, like I'm, I'm the kind of person who I'll like push my wheelchair until like my arms want to stop moving Mm, kind of thing, because I refuse, you know, I refuse to, you know, want help. But in the, in the case of, you know, having people like I had a lovely gentleman come up to me at last year's, um, at this year's Womad Adelaide Festival, actually in Adelaide. And it was all tan bark and grass and I was just not having a great time. <laughs> and, you know, he was like, do you need a hand? And I was like, you know what, mate? I would actually really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just just having a conversation with them and just looking, I think looking beyond the chair is a really important thing because the wheelchair is not the person. It's just the person in the wheelchair. You're like a stunning photographer. You've had a massive amount of success over the past few years. Tell me some cool stories. 
I've honestly like I still I still pinch myself because I'm like did that really just happen um I was really really lucky um to be given the opportunity to photograph Kiss recently Mm. um on one of their Melbourne shows on their first Melbourne show of their final tour ever um but you know even even things like you know I photographed Alice Cooper and like that that was my first ever shoot at Rod Laver Arena on Valentine's Day of 2020. And, you know, things like that, you just, you never forget. Yeah. But they're honestly the people and the friends that I've made in the industry like yourself yeah. and, you know, like bands like Confidence Man and, you know, the Jungle Giants and, you know, the, the boys who, you know, basically gave me my, gave me my start and let me come and photograph their show, Nautical Mile, who are a band from Perth. Yeah. And, you know, their lead singer is like a, a brother to me now. And I'm an, I'm Auntie Britt to his, you know, to his one-year-old daughter. You know, it's those, it's those relationships for me that go beyond the stage. Um, but I also recently entered um, the Australian Photographic Prize and was still, I'm super shocked and humbled to have taken out the reportage category of the Nikon Digital Awards. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, with a photograph I took of Vintage Trouble at the Corner Hotel um, on Anzac Day in 2019. And, you know, it's just things like that where you, you know, you put your work out there and especially like I'm, I've never really entered awards. And I also entered my first print awards in that same um, Australian Photographic Prize. And I entered a photograph of Aiden from Confidence Man. Yeah. You know, the one with the, the beer and... Is he popping bottles or something? Yeah. <laughs> he's always popping yeah, bottles. Yeah, he's always popping bottles. <laughs> um, no, the, the um, photograph from Dream Machine with the, the beer that he just poured over himself and um. the beer's like pouring off his face and you've got like the beer spray in the air. And it's still hands down one of my favorite shots I've ever taken. Thanks, Aiden. Yeah. Um, but you know, even the story behind that, like I was, I was physically carried up by some of the crew up the um, well, it wasn't even stairs in this case. It was a l- tiny little ladder to get mm. onto the stage, and they were like, "No, nah, we're gonna get Brett up there." Because I was like, "No," nah. I was like, "If it's too," and they were like, "No," and you know, like I've just shot, I just shot Snow Machine again in the snow. Oh like, yeah, actually, oh, yeah. I love, I love that crew. They're like my second family. Um, and Snow Machine is one of the best festivals, like hands down. Um, and you know, the the crew, like they've welcomed me like family and you know, that they don't see the wheelchair as a barrier. Like I've shot Dream Machine with them now in the sand, Snow Machine in the snow, you know, it's almost like, you know, what's next? Like Brit, you know, the way they say it, they're like, oh, nothing will, nothing will stop me. Mm. Yeah, I think those experiences that you've had and I guess all the stories that you always have to tell me really speak <laughs> to the beauty of the Australian music landscape at the moment. Yeah. Um, and for people, anyone who might be listening who would think like, oh, this sounds really cool. I kind of want to do a bit of live music photography as well. What's your advice to getting getting into it? Like, Honestly, just pick up a camera. Go to, go to your local venues that you can take a camera into and just start shooting. Like, you know, that's that's how it started for me basically. You know, I shot I shot my first show, um, which was Nautical Mile at Bar Open on the 31st of October, 2018. There you go. I can still <laughs> tell you the exact date. And you know, it all just it all just branched from there. You know, just build up build up a portfolio. You know, or even you know, reach out to local bands and be like, you know, hey, I want 
I'm looking to get into the music photography industry. Like I'm, I'd love to build my portfolio. Can I come and photograph your show? Mm. Because like the artists who invite us into their space, like they're amazing people and they're so supportive and, you know, everyone that I've met um, and, you know, having people like the Veronicas and Amy Shark and Lainey in my Staring Through the Lens project, like I'm still like, I'm still in disbelief that they, you know, that they saw, understood the concept and were willing to be involved. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And it's just, yeah, beautiful people all around, I think. That's the thing that I, my main takeaway was when I was in the music room, I was just shocked by the really, just the kindness and openness of all those people, especially confidence man yeah <laughs> we nice. love them yeah they're, they're our favorites we, yeah. <laughs> we um, share a mutual love of confidence yeah. man <laughs> yeah no, i'm an old high school fan old high school love fan. it um yeah so i was wondering maybe if there's anything that you want to add or discuss or we've covered a lot yeah I think we've been through it. yeah <laughs> we've covered a lot um no i think I mean, we've covered staring through the lens is obviously, you know, my big ongoing project, which I'm hopefully maybe going to call this. Everyone's like, just have, just have additions. Yeah. You know, just have edition one and edition two. Um, So if, if it does end up as additions, edition one, I'm hoping to cut in maybe March, April of next year. Cool. Ed Sheeran, I want you. Oh, Ed Sheeran, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's manifest. Yeah, say, say it to your Ed phone. Ed Sheeran on yeah, stairs. I heard my friend the other day was saying, she was like, I just say it to my phone if I wanted to come true. If I, I love to style it. someone, just say it to my phone and it comes true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, honestly, like I just, like everyone who's supported me, you know, there's so many people, you know, even before the music photography, you know, began for me, just people in general. And you know what? I wouldn't I wouldn't be where I am without, you know, people like Brody from Nautical Mile, Um and all my friends who, because before I got a license, I was I was relying on friends to drive me to shows and to assist me at shows. And, you know, they supported my crazy, basically. Mm. You know, they were, they didn't mind, you know, getting home at 2am after a gig and then, you know, finishing a gig at like 12 and then still being there at 1.30 while I was networking. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta do it. Gotta do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just to thank literally everyone, even, even yourself, you know, getting me on this podcast and giving me, you know, the platform to talk a bit more about my own journey and especially the staring through the lens project and accessibility and, you know, inclusivity and all those, all those things that I'm trying to, you know, make a positive difference in. Yeah. Well, it's really my pleasure. And thank you again so much for joining me. I'm very happy to know you and beautiful person no thank thank you you. i can i can see our friendship being one that lasts one that lasts the ages for sure Thank you.